Welcome to episode 101, a 34-part episode on Catholicism 101, the foundations of our Catholic faith. These episodes originally premiered on YouTube. You can find the original video linked in the description to this episode, as well as a discussion guide for your benefit and whoever you might be listening with. Enjoy. What is in a name? I don't know if you know the origin or meaning of your name, but when my parents named me Matthew, the story I was told went something like this. They wanted to pick a name from the Bible. They looked at the names of the 12 apostles. My mom wanted Matthew and my dad wanted Bartholomew. And so my dad came up with the bright idea of saying, how about Matholomew? And then my mother said, how about Matthew? And that was the end of that discussion. Um, And so I don't know if you know the story behind your name, but when my wife and I named our children, we looked to scripture because our faith means a lot to us. And we wanted to look at the meaning of their names because there is something about our name that contributes to who we are. And so our daughter, we named her Hannah Gerilyn. Gerilyn is for St. Gerard because we were having trouble conceiving. Uh, And Hannah is the mother of the prophet Samuel, and she's a prefigurement of the Blessed Virgin Mary. You can go read 1 Samuel chapter 1 and 2 and compare that to Luke chapter 1 uh, and see what I mean there. Uh, But her name means graceful one who is mighty with a spear. And boy, does she embody her name perfectly. (laughs) And then our son, who's four months old at the moment, his name is Levi Obadiah which means harmonious servant of God. Levi being the priestly class of the Old Testament and also one of the other names for Matthew, the tax collector, who was one of the 12 apostles. And Obadiah being one of the minor prophets of the Old Testament, who brings unity and hope, uh, proclaims restoration during a time when there are a lot of divided people. How appropriate that name ended up being for this time. And so our names have meaning. And I find it so cool that as a parent, God chooses to call our children the name that we pick for them for all eternity. And in the case of Elon Musk and his new son, God will forever call his son X-A-12. However strange the name, there is significance, there is meaning, and there is an authority there that God has given. We see this as early as Genesis chapter 2, verses 19 through 20. He gives this to Adam. So the Lord God formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the air. And he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. Whatever the man called each living creature was then its name. The man gave names to all the tame animals, all the birds of the air, and all the wild animals. But none proved to be a helper suited to the man. And even in that story, there is significance to their names. The man... Uh, is Adam, which means creature of Adama, which is the earth. Uh, And so creature of the earth. And only when Eve is created, whose name means life, do they then get called Adam and Eve, him and her, Ish and Isha in Hebrew. And there's a beautiful um, nature to the story that we miss when we don't know the meaning of the names. There's another funny story uh, like this in the Old Testament where Abraham and Sarah, they're in their old age, And uh, God promises them a child. And I think it's Sarah who laughs and God hears her laugh and he says, your name, the name of your child, your son will be 
Itzak, Isaac, which means laughter. Names are significant. In fact, Hebrew people, their names signified their essence. So it was your identity. No one could change your name but God. And so when we see Abram's name changed to Abraham in Genesis, only God could do that. And it's significant then that when Jesus calls Simon Peter and changes his name to Peter, meaning rock, only God himself could have done that. And so your name speaks so intimately of who you are that in biblical times, uh, people often had private names and public names. Uh, and that's why it's sometimes more difficult to know who's being talked about in scripture. Uh, Bartholomew or Nathaniel, they're the same person. Jude or Thaddeus, Thomas or Didymus, Matthew or Levi, Saul or Paul, all uh, going by different names or different language versions of their name. And the reason for this was also that sometimes people believed that knowing someone's true name gave you spiritual control or authority over them. So if I call you from across the room and I say, hey, Jeff, and you turn around, that means I have power over you. I controlled the fact that you were subject to your name. And so there was a spiritual reality there that the Hebrew people believed that you had a dominance or a control over a person if you knew their name. And when you share your name with someone, even today, you extend your hand and say, hi, my name is Matt. Nice to meet you. There's an exchange. There's the... And anticipation or expectation of a relationship, or at least some type of exchange. Even at Starbucks, they ask for my name. Um, and this is why all of this discussion of names makes it so amazing what happens in Exodus chapter 3. You see, God created the world. He revealed himself to a chosen people, to Abraham and Sarah and their descendants. And one of those descendants, Joseph, was sold into slavery by his brothers into Egypt. And during a drought, they all ended up reuniting and moving to Egypt. But after being there for several hundred years, the Egyptians get worried about their numbers and they enslave them. And they begin throwing their newborns, especially the newborn males, as human sacrifices into the Nile. And so one of the mothers decides to save her child in a basket of reeds, putting him on the river in the area where Pharaoh's daughter would bathe, and that child was Moses. Now we know the story of Moses. He grows up in uh, the kingdom of the Pharaoh in the palace, and one day there is a guard who is tormenting one of the Hebrew slaves, and he tries to stop him and ends up killing the guard and flees into the desert for his life. And it is there in the desert after he meets his wife and has a child, and he is hiding uh, from Egypt and the Egyptian authorities, where God appears to him as a burning bush. And in Exodus chapter 3, verse 11, God speaks to him and commands him to do this. Now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you. And this will be your sign that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will serve God at this mountain. But, said Moses to God, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What do I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Then he added, this is what you will tell the Israelites. I am 
has sent me to you. That phrase, I am who I am, in Hebrew is et yasheret ye. And it's abbreviated by the letters YHVH in Hebrew, Yod He Vav He. Translates to the word Yahweh or Yahweh. Sometimes mistranslates as JHVH to Jehovah. But it is the name of God. The name he reveals. I am who am. I am being. I am existence. He who is. His name is his nature. His name was so sacred that the Hebrew people never spoke it. They could only speak it one day a year on a very sacred holy day called the Day of Atonement, and only the high priest could say it. Hebrew people still to this day, they bow whenever they hear the name of God, and we are supposed to give a gentle bow anytime we hear the name Jesus or Mary or any name of God. And you'll see uh, footage or pictures of Jews at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem, where the temple used to be, who are constantly bowing like this, and that is because they are thinking the name of God, and they have such reverence and honor for it that they bow even when they think it. They won't even write God. They'll write G slash D when writing the name. That is how sacred this self-identification of God was to the Hebrew people, because it was the first time in history that a God came and said, hey, nice to meet you. You know, if you think about all of the mythical gods of Greek, Egyptian, Roman, and Norse mythology, they didn't care at all for their people. They demanded worship, they used people as their chess pieces in a game for sport or against each other. Why would the real God, why would our God do this? The same reason that you and I introduce each other is because we want an exchange. We want a relationship. Our God, the one true God, humbles himself, makes himself smaller, and gives us the ability to know him and to enter into a relationship. And by knowing his name, have control or command over him in some sense. So what does that tell us about God? Well, it tells us four things. The first thing it tells us about God is that God is with us. God is not this distant, far away, or uninvolved being. We've talked about in previous episodes how there is something in us that God created us with that points us beyond ourselves. And in the last episode, we talked about how we can look around and know, based on the world that God created, that there is in fact a God who is intelligent. And this God, as we talk about now, is a God who wants to be in relationship with us, who is with us. In fact, the name Jesus means Yahweh saves. And the other name given for Jesus in the New Testament, Emmanuel, means God is with us. The second thing this tells us about God is that God gives us life. You know, the word Yahweh, it's a nonsensical, unpronounceable word in Hebrew. Every syllable is a breath syllable. Yod, he, vav, he. You cannot say it without breathing. And in fact, the names in scripture for the Holy Spirit, Ruach in Hebrew, Numa in Greek, Spiritus in Latin, all mean breath. It's as if that God wanted us to know that every breath, he is there giving us life. The moment a child is born, what do they do? They breathe. They say the name of God. And they keep on saying it, and we keep on saying it until we can say it no longer. 
and then we die and encounter that name, hopefully, face to face. Even those who shout angrily against God and the church, they do so with the breath in their lungs, the name of God unknowingly on their lips. Does everything you and I say honor the name of God? And so we know that God is with us. We know that God is giving us life. The third thing we can reveal about this is that no matter what you have done, God wants a relationship with you. God wants a relationship with you. Moses was a murderer. He had murdered an Egyptian guard. God delivered Moses and the people of Egypt through Moses from the bondage of slavery nonetheless. And he delivers us from the bondage of sin, frees us from it in the person of Jesus. Pope St. John Paul II once said, You are not the sum of your faults and failures. You are the sum of the Father's love for you. It does not matter what you've done. Repent. Turn away from that sin. Turn away from those things that separate you from God and start over right now, here, today, and respond to the gift of a relationship that the God of the universe is offering you because he finds you worthy of his love and mercy. Will you believe him? And lastly, the thing that God revealing himself and desiring relationship with us reveals is that he will give us the power to call upon him. And with that power, he will allow us to have a mission, to fulfill a mission, a plan, a purpose that only we can fulfill. God did not just happen upon Moses in the desert. He knew him. He created him and he chose him. As it says in John 15, 16, it was not you who chose me, but I who chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit that will remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Moses was unqualified, but God still found him worthy and chose him for greatness to go and bear fruit that would remain. In fact, Moses tries to fight back a little bit in Exodus chapter 4. He says to the Lord, If you please, my Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor now that you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Many scholars interpret that to believe that Moses had a stutter. But God nonetheless says, Go, I will assist you in speaking and teach you what you are to say. God can work with whatever you have. My wife and I, um, we had a miscarriage. We tried for a long time to have a child. My wife has lupus. And uh, we had a miscarriage um, when we finally did get pregnant about five years into our marriage. And it was devastating. Uh, we were so excited to be pregnant for the first time. Thought we had gotten past all the hurdles of medication and all these things. And I remember getting home that night. And we were sitting on the couch looking at each other. And my wife asked me, what do we do? And I said, well, I think we have to name our daughter and ask her to pray for us. And so I said, why don't you count or think of a female name in your head and I'll think of a female name in my head and we'll count to three and we'll both say the name out loud. And we counted one, two, three. And we both at the same exact time said the name Lily. And the presence of God was so palpable in that room. I knew that he was with us all in the significance of a name. God can work with whatever you have. Bring him your stutter, your anger, your sin, your suffering, your handicap, your illness, your disability, your trauma, your abuse, your jealousy. He will transform it into something beautiful. 
Will you let him? Will you say yes? God has introduced himself. How will you respond? He's reached out his hand and said, Hi, my name is Yahweh. Existence, breath, God, Father. What's yours? 